For many families, 2020 threw us for a loop. Today, we're going to look at how you can revamp your budget together so that you can hit your financial goals faster. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. I think it's fair to say that last year did not go as any of us planned. I'm not going to recap 2020. We were all there because we had to quickly make so many changes with how we worked. We did school and more. Our day-to-day routines change and our budgets did as well. For some of us, because we were ahead on our financial journey, things were a bit shifted, but we were able to maybe hit our goals. But there were also many families that weren't so fortunate. For 2020, their budget was just focused on surviving and rolling with the punches. Thankfully, we do have vaccines that are being produced, but there's still much ahead of us. It's going to be a while before things get back to a more normal routine, for lack of a better word, which means more than ever, we need to have a plan for our money. One of the best ways you can do that is creating a roadmap for your finances. For most families, that means creating a better budget, which is sometimes easier said than done. Some challenges that families can face include trying to sync up on what goals you want to tackle this year with so much uncertainty, building a budget that is flexible enough to deal with adjustments, and then finding ways to both save for your goals in the future and have some fun now. We're going to dig into these issues today one by one. Rob Bertman is on the podcast. He's a certified financial planner and the creator of Family Budget Expert. He's worked with families on reconfiguring their budgets so that it reflects them and their specific goals. We got a lot of cover today, so let's get started. I get questions about this constantly love what you're doing. You're helping people not just build the budget with the numbers, but you're actually building a a budget around that particular couple or that particular family and their goals. There's kind of an art to it. What do you see as being some of the biggest issues that keep coming up with couples trying to figure out a budget that they're both happy with? Yeah. The biggest issue is that most couples, they they start a budget that is doomed to fail in the first place. It's going to fall flat right off the get-go because First of all, you know, numbers are pulled out of a hat based upon what they've heard they should do with their money. Maybe only one spouse or partner is involved in putting it together. So there's not Mm -hmm. buy-in from the other one. Then also anytime you're creating a a budget, you're making changes to the way that you spend. Mm -hmm. Spending, no matter what you do in your life, like chances are you're spending money on it. And budgets don't really focus on the habit changes needed to make that stick. A question I got is, well, how do you create a budget that sticks? Where I like to start is not with the numbers, but just identifying what the values and priorities are for them, not only as a couple, but as individuals and as a family. A lot of times people focus on the family goals or the Mm -hmm. goals as a couple, but they never really think about what they want to do as an individual. Surprisingly enough, where most arguments come into around budgets and spending has to do with something that's really, really important to one. And the other person just does not understand at all why that's important. 
and vice versa, right? Those are the things that we really should pay attention to because mm-hmm. oftentimes when we're budgeting, we're thinking about the future of the unit as opposed to making sure that we have our own individual needs satisfied in the budgeting process. So first step is deciding values and priorities as an individual, as a couple, and as a family, if you have kids. Yeah. The second thing is before even adding numbers is track your spending to know what you're spending right now. A lot of mm-hmm. times couples will create this food budget of, I don't know, 600 or $800 a month, but they might be spending a lot more than that. They don't understand what it takes to get there because they don't, you have to understand what you're spending money on first before you can understand how to budget around and make the habit changes like we talked about before. The other thing is that people don't visit their budget often enough. Uh, A lot of times it's one person doing it. They're looking at it once a month. And I subscribe really to like really a weekly spending review. Maybe there's one person who's in charge of the budget and the numbers. They've gotten the buy-in from their spouse or partner and everything like that. But at least once a week for five minutes, they take a look at their spending as a whole. So they'll go through and review their transactions as a couple. Mm -hmm. It takes like two seconds if they have a budgeting app. Take a look at their overall net cash flow in and cash flow out and see how they're tracking for the month so far. And pick me one or two of those budget categories where you really need to track or else they get out of control. Oftentimes it's food. Just track that one budget item. It takes literally five minutes. If couples sat down once a month to do or once a week to do that, then mm-hmm. the budget is more likely to stick. You bring up a lot of good points and I want to drill down a little bit more on each of them. Something that I do see come up often is when they create that budget, they base it on the template. There's not space in the budget for things that matter to each of you. Many times if you ask someone what's really important, they might not immediately jump out at that. For my husband, he's an IT guy. He loves tech. He won't spend too much on anything else, but that's kind of his like big deal. If you look at my spending, I like to eat out with friends. I enjoy the social aspect of that. So I I think that's fantastic that you bring that up because that can quickly derail a budget. And then tracking. I think it's fantastic that there are so many different tools and different styles, whether you're an app person or a spreadsheet person, or you want something else to track your money. Again, it's that awareness. Are we aware of where we're spending it? How do you approach when they are trying to track their money? Do you do that for them, like set it up? Or is this more, you suggest a tool? How does that go? Yeah. Usually I suggest a budgeting app, usually Mm -hmm. minted. There's plenty of them out there. As long as they're comfortable, I'm a big believer that people should do what they're comfortable with. I Mm -hmm. I try not to prescribe anything. I try to help identify what's going to work best for them. Usually it's it's just a budgeting app that will aggregate all the credit card transactions, Mm -hmm. all the bank transactions. So they don't have to go looking through all the different statements to find the information. They can literally see what's happening in every account on every day and look through the transactions. Mm -hmm. It serves as a reminder. A lot of people wait till the end of the month, they get the credit card bill. And they think, oh man, how was our bill this high? Again, you know, it happens every yeah. month. But if you track on a weekly basis, understanding that the, usually the months are front end loaded with rent and other bills and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you can actually see, oh, we're, we're two weeks in and we're way over. We're in danger of getting over. So let's make adjustments the final two weeks as opposed to waiting to the end of the month and trying yeah. again the following month. You can change on the fly. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's whatever app or system that fits your personality because the one you're going to keep is the one you're going to actually make some progress with. I noticed for us and some other couples, just even reviewing, like you said, weekly, what purchases, 
it's not a, a guilt trip, but it's discussing like, hey, I went out three times. Did I need to go out? Did I really enjoy that? I know we're going out less because of COVID, but just reviewing that awareness, are you getting value? With a budget, one of the conflicts I see, couples value things differently. It's not the bills they have to pay. We all acknowledge that. But afterwards, how do we divvy up between the things that we enjoy and then the things we have to do in building that financial stability and hopefully getting a little security? Typically, not all the time with couples, one kind of pushes in one direction, one in the other. So have you any suggestions or tips to make that easier for couples to find that balance? (laughs) It's very common. I'd say most people marry someone who has opposite qualities of them because they balance them out, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. someone who is a a quote unquote saver Mm -hmm. might marry a spender and vice versa because they want to have that balance in their life. But rather than sort of trying to come together, they usually butt heads about it. I think it's important to start with, again, what are your priorities? So if each spouse or partner writes down what are their top three priorities and rank them in order? Let's say one mm-hmm. is to, to max out their retirement account. And another one is, well, I want to take a vacation when we can all do that again. If those are the most important things to each of you, then there should be room to do those in mm-hmm. the budget, or at least you should make room in the budget. From there, you can negotiate or talk through the other things you can agree on. The most important thing is we want to start with the things we agree on. A lot of times people mm-hmm. start with the things that they want to cut or that they disagree about rather than starting on the things that they're on the same page. Mm-hmm. With the budgeting process and reviewing transactions, I don't use the traditional budget category method. I have one that I call keep, cut back, eliminate. Mm. What this does is it makes sure the spending is in alignment with their values and priorities. So the keeps are literally you're looking through your transactions and they're the things that bring a smile to your face, not only because of what you did or where you went or the experience you had, but because the amount you spent, you felt like was a good number. Again, we look at mm-hmm. keeps for individ- as a couple. And as a family, a lot of times when we have kids, especially we forget that we should be spending money on our relationship and enhancing our relationship. And we also lose sight of ourselves as individuals. These things really have no veto power. So Mm -hmm. if there's a keep for one spouse, the other spouse can't say, no, that's not okay. Unless they're like really, really sabotaging their finances. (laughs) And then the cutback are things where people we're just looking for agreement on things that they can cut back by 20 to 25% on. Think about someone who goes out to lunch five days a week. Maybe they could yeah. go out four days a week. Eliminate our 100% reductions. Once we're doing that uh, with our spending, our spending is really lean. And now we have money left over for, to bring other things into the picture. We now have the room to build in those other priorities that we have for ourselves in terms of saving, investing, paying back debt goals, along mm-hmm. with those special occasion type of spending like for birthdays or holidays or, or trips or whatever. The other thing that that couples can do, depending on what your income situation is right now, since we're in COVID-19 times, Mm -hmm. if it's depressed, then as income comes back up, and even if it is normal, as people get bonuses, raises, tax refunds, stimulus checks, assuming you have, assuming you can eat, put food on the table and like maintain your shelter, there's a rule I call the 50-50 rule. Mm -hmm. It's basically a way to expand and grow the savings rate, the percentage of money that you're saving, not the dollar amount, but the percentage Okay. Um, and the dollar amount. Let's just say that someone gets a stimulus check. It's a take-home pay of $3,000. Well, the 50-50 rule would say, okay, let's take 1,500 of that and add it to what we're currently saving, investing, and paying back debt with. 
-hmm. take the other 1500 and do something, spend it, right? Because then we're automatically having a 50% savings rate on every additional dollar that we make as a couple. And that extra $1,500 that's going towards the building wealth, retirement, kids, college, you know, paying off house, whatever those goals, half of it's going there. The other half is going towards the fun stuff that will satisfy the spender in the family too. Nice. So it's, it's kind of a good balance between the two is the 50-50 rule. Yeah. I, I like that because 2020 has been a reminder for many that yes, we definitely need to be prepared for the future. It's hard to find that balance. But if you're working as a couple, this is something actually that can be to your strength if you have different perspectives. Another challenge I wanted to talk to you about, uh, a lot of families are finding either their income has been reduced or hours reduced and they are more aware of what's going on with their finances and the issue of financial infidelity is coming up. It's mm-hmm. been an issue in marriages th- throughout time, but now it's especially hurting the family. I think we've all seen those shows where it's like something dramatic, where it's like, oh my goodness, I have $50,000 of debt. I haven't been telling you about, but in a lot of marriages, it's in smaller things. I've noticed extra purchases on the credit card. Maybe you have a credit card account you haven't told your spouse about. In your experience, how does it manifest? How can they work through this? Because it is more serious than just spending extra money from the budget. It can be really damaging to a relationship when this happens. But I think we all have to give each other you know, some grace and give some patience. Whatever choices were made in the past those are kind of in the past. So when uncovering or finding out about something like this or thinking about telling your spouse about maybe something you've been doing that that they didn't know about, we're going to focus on making better choices in the future. We kind of have to let the past lie and kind of get over it and to make for a better future. I'd say the main cause of this is because one person is doing the budgeting or handling the finances without the other one's involvement. That can come in one of two ways, right? One is that you have someone who sets a really super rigid budget they're mm-hmm. in charge of the finances, it's very restrictive, and they don't get the other one's buy-in. So what does the other spouse do? They rebel. Mm-hmm. And they rebel by having a secret bank account or secret credit card. And I've actually seen things and, and heard of other situations like this where someone will go to like a Target or Walmart or like a CVS or Walgreens, buy a gift card for a store they really want to shop at at those places. Wow. So you can buy an Amazon gift card at Target, or you can buy a Nordstrom gift card at Target. And so some spouses who feel really um, restricted will go buy those gift cards and buy what they want. And the spouse who's controlling the spending doesn't know because they just see it as a, as a Walmart or Walgreens expense. So that's one side of the coin. The other side Mm -hmm. of the coin is that someone is, is managing the family finances, maybe out of reluctance in this case, not out of control, but because Mm -hmm. they're the only one that is able to do it. They kind of get that toe over the line. Or like, ooh, maybe I spent a little bit too much this month on our family stuff or whatever. And all of a sudden it spirals out of control and they feel guilty. They don't want to talk about it with their spouse because they feel bad about it and guilty and they're afraid of what's going to happen. And by the time they want to talk with them, it's like way out of control from where it was at the first step. Either case, like I said, I think Mm -hmm. the more that we can come together and the more that couples can work together on their spending and review this on a weekly basis, the less likely it's going to happen. We know Mm -hmm. that when Couples who argue about money, that's a big stress on relationships and sometimes yeah. ends in relationships ending. This is critically important that both spouses work together and kind of get rid of the past and start a new future if you're in one of those circumstances. One other quick thing I'll say is that yeah. sometimes people do have 
a true compulsive spender. If, if you feel like your spouse or you are in this situation, definitely seek professional help from, from a therapist or a counselor or a psychiatrist, some professional help. I'm glad you brought up that case too with the spending addiction. Sometimes we have a hard time diagnosing the cause of this. Also, just a reminder that regular check-ins, even small ones, five minutes, 10 minutes a week, can keep anything that maybe went wrong or off tracks for that week, just for that week. You know, I had an extreme case and I met them after the fact, but it was a couple and it was a hundred, like $109,000 of debt that just snowballed through the years. He had taken the numbers. She wasn't interested, but he felt like the next raise will fix it. And next raise, there wasn't that communication. That's an extreme example. But when we live in a time where some families are struggling right now, just living paycheck to paycheck, you can't afford to wait, you know, till it's really bad. So I I love that you say, have these regular check-ins, have this communication. I know Rob, we just scratched the surface and we could really dive in deep. But I know that there's probably some families listening, thinking, I would love to have another perspective, someone to talk us through working on the budget. If anybody wanted to work with you, what's the best way they could reach out to you? The best way to reach out to me is my website, Mm familybudgetexpert.com. And I have a free guide to cut spending so that you free up that extra money to pay off debt and invest. I offer a free 30-minute session for anyone who wants it. So if you go to familybudgetexpert.com slash free consult, you can find a time to book with me. I do require that both spouses are on the call. I don't ever want to feel like I'm being a wedge or a tool to make something happen in a relationship. I want to make sure both Mm -hmm. people are on board. So if you do sign up for that, please make sure that both of you can be on the call. It's never too late and it's never too early to start talking about budgeting. I love working with couples. It's really good, like tactical stuff. I see relationships improve. This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you want to live better, you got to bank better. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Now that we're two weeks into our monthly money challenge, which is simply tracking your money, you're probably getting a clearer picture of your family's cash flow. With those numbers in front of you, the two of you can start building a budget together that makes sense for you and your goals for the year. Here are a few things to look out for and discuss. Which areas of your budgets are you spending more or less than you had anticipated? Since many families stayed home more in 2020, it's natural that your budgets shifted and certain areas may have seen an increase while others had a decrease. Now that the new year has started, things may have shifted again. If so, which areas of your budget are staying on target and which ones are unexpectedly higher or lower? Of course, if you're going over budget, you immediately need to make changes. But this may be a case of where you need to adjust your budget to be more realistic for your current and future circumstances. Perhaps you've discovered that yes, you're spending more with food, but you're eating at home more, eating healthier, and the quality of the food that you're picking out is much better. So in that case, you may decide going forward that you want to keep the food expenses in that range and cut somewhere else. The second thing to discuss, and it is related to the first, 
is how much did you enjoy with your spending? I know sometimes in the personal finance space, spending is seen as a negative, but that's not necessarily the case. Again, when we're looking at a budget, we're talking about what we prioritize and what we value. I know for us, we've made some purchases during the pandemic since we were going to spend more time at home, and we do not regret those purchases. We put some more money into our family garden and got items for the yard, such as a hammock and a telescope, and we really enjoyed those purchases. What about you? What new spending did you have because of the pandemic? Perhaps it was buying games for family game night. You may be looking at that spending and you're happy with it. And you might decide that going forward, you want to keep it in your budget. Then make sure that you put it as a new line item in your budget going forward. Creating a budget isn't all about cutting expenses. It's really about being more intentional with how you use your money. Finally, looking at your cash flow, what's a realistic pace for you to hit your goals? We're not trying to create the perfect budget. We're trying to create a budget that actually works for you. These discussions may seem small, but they can give you a leg up for creating a budget that you can use for the rest of the year. If you want to chat more about your budget, questions that you have, or if you want to get ideas on what's helped other families, please join us in our private and free Facebook group, Thriving Families. We're there to support one another and help each other out with our family and financial goals. Just go to simplifyandenjoy.com slash FB. We'd love to see you there. Special thanks to Rob for being a part of this episode. If you want to learn more about him, different budget methods, or any other resources we mentioned in this episode, please check out our show notes at simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, we're talking about student loans. Should you pay them off faster? The answer depends on a lot of factors. So we're going to look at how to weigh the pros and cons to see what fits your family's finances and goals. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Our theme song is from Staircases, additional music by various artists from audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for listening and your support. I really appreciate it. I love hearing from you both with the group over at Thriving Families and through your emails that you send. Thank you for sharing your progress and your stories. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.